0: welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host, and I am so happy that you have made your way here, that you have taken valuable time, that you have set aside this space to care for your heart. Here in the Speak Healing Words community, we are committed to the threefold cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity, a healthy sense of self healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. I truly and passionately believe that when we have emotional health, we can then be spiritually authentic and live a remarkable life that brings us great joy and meaning. In our community, Proverbs 4.23 is our anchor. Above all else, guard your affections, guard your heart. For your heart, your affections influence everything in your life. So, we come here and we take some time to just consider the power of our words the words we speak to ourselves, the words we speak to God, the words we speak in our faith, the words we speak to our family, and the words we speak to others. Words are containers of power. That's what Joyce Meyer, she calls words a container of power and I love that. Words matter, words possess the power of life and death. So today we're going to continue our conversation from episode four where I introduced an ancient spiritual practice, Lexio Divina, divine reading, where we place ourselves in a, pas- a passage of scripture, as if we were actually living it at this moment. This divine reading then becomes very personal, not just words on a page or old stories passed down through history, but they become a story that informs our story. Biggest premise of my work. Is that I hope my story informs your story so that your story can inform everyone's story in your sphere of influence. Because our stories are so important and they matter so much. And so I would like to just continue. I promised last week, so I have to hold true to my promise, that we would look back at John 5, verses 1 through 17. We, we practiced it in Lexio Divina manner. I asked you to put yourself into the story, and um, hopefully I will hear more from each of you about what you took away from the story. What point of view did you, did you read the story through? Was it through the, the eyes of Jesus, the healer? Was it through the eyes of the man who laid on the mat and who had been there for 38 years? Were you seeing it from the eyes of the point of view of an onlooker, someone else standing at the pool of Bethesda? So just to recap, it's a story, a beautiful true story about a healing that took place at Bethesda, a pool that was near Jerusalem. And so there was this man and he'd been laying there for 38 years and All of a sudden, Jesus walks up to him, and I'll I'll continue reading from page from verse six. When Jesus noticed him lying there helpless, knowing that he had been in that condition, laying on that mat for 38 years, Jesus said to this man. He asked him a pointed, directive question. He said, "Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well?" The invalid, the paralyzed man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming to get into it myself, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately, immediately, the man was healed. And I love how the uh, Amplified version of the Bible says this. Portion. Let me read verse 9 in the Amplify to you. Immediately, the man was healed and recovered his strength and picked up his pallet and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and you are not permitted to pick up your pallet because it is unlawful. The man answered them, but the man who healed me and gave me back my strength was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, who is this man who told you, pick up your pallet and walk? For crying out loud, it's the Sabbath. I added that. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away unnoticed since there was a crowd in that place. Verse 14 Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See? Oh, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was this man, this Jesus, who had made him well. Verse 16, for this reason, the Jews began to persecute Jesus continually because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now. He's never stopped working and I too am working. So I just wanted to, I wanted to go back and walk through this for just a few moments today. In light of today, episode five's word, each of our episodes centers around a powerful word. We look at the words within the word So that we can apply this to our life in order to live a life that truly represents the Christ-following life. A life filled with passion and purpose and peace and joy and strength and authentic faith. So today's word is prosody. Prosody. P-R-O-S-O-D-Y. Is prosody power or poison? That's what I want you to be thinking when when we're talking about prosody. This word I just came to know last year when I was working on my next book, Embracing Healing Words: Live into Your Beautiful New Story, which is the companion guide to Overcoming Hurtful Words. And so, in the next book, we I offer you nine tools that will actually help you apply the Heartlift Method in your life so that you can be a heart lifter in the middle of your family and your sphere of influence. So it's a very necessary second book. I cannot wait for it to to come out and I can't wait for you to be holding in your hand. But until then, I'm going to give you a sneak preview because I delve into the word prosody, which in short is just tone of voice, tone, Dictionary definition is a nonverbal communication skill that serves as the delivery system, very important, for our verbal communication. Okay, I'm going to really say that again because I need you to write this down or remember it. Prosody, a nonverbal communication skill that serves as the delivery system for our verbal communication. In the 1970s, a professor emeritus and sociologist, Albert Morabian, coined this term prosody, and he developed a communication model, which is well known in the counseling psychology, psychiatry industry, in which he demonstrated that only 7%, that's right, 7% of what we communicate Consist of the literal content of the message. Hmm. The use of one's voice, okay, the the use of our voice, the delivery system of our words is our voice, such as tone, intonation, and volume, take up 38% and as much as 55% of communication consists of our body language. So we put this into a 7, 38, 55 model that much of us still use today. Bottom line, when it comes to healthy communication, the third chord of our threefold chord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity, what we say, what we communicate through words, 7%, so 7% is the actual words we use. 38% is that tone, prosody, the volume. And then 55% is our body language, rolling of the eyes, shrugging the shoulders, folding our arms, um, making a fist with our hand, stomping our feet. So many little nonverbal signals that speak louder and higher and with more force oftentimes than our words. So what do we do then? How do we control this prosody? How do we practice making the delivery system for our words, our tone, the volume of our voice and then our nonverbals but today we're talking about our tone our prosody so how do we how do we develop that skill so that we can become a healthy communicator so glad you asked one of the most important ways is really to just be self aware that's not a word we hear a whole lot of i think in many circles But becoming self-aware is really the first step in healing, emotional healing for sure. Knowing, being, being able to recognize, oh, there is that terrible tone. I'm using it again. It's harsh. It's hurtful. And all of a sudden, you're aware of it and you go, oh my goodness, I really don't like that. You know, I just um, had a client that we talked about this in great length. It was actually something she wasn't aware of. So it's fresh off the presses here. And once she became aware of it, she is now able to move forward and able to practice new healthy behaviors and communication skills that will enable her to become a very healthy communicator. So that very first step, self-awareness. Just want to make sure that... uh, that is crystal clear because as you start any process in the emotional healing journey, you have to be aware. Awareness is everything. And a, and a good friend, a friend I haven't talked to in a while, but once said awareness is a dangerous thing because once we're aware, then we are held accountable. So that's the great work of counseling or that's the great work of coaching and consulting is to be able to increase our awareness so that we can actually become our very best God-created selves. In, In an article in Psychology Today, The Importance of Tone, I found these three very helpful tips and I wanted to share them with you today. When we're considering our tone, and remember, tone is the delivery system for our words. So I could say, I love you. Or I could say, I love you. Hmm. Which one would you like to hear? (laughs) Or you could hear someone say, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Or as children who will not be named in my household used to go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's really hard to say, isn't it? So if we're working on that, here are three things that we can do to move forward in polishing and creating healthy habits. Whatever the content of the things we say, it's our tone that communicates what we're feeling when we say them. Our tone tells the truth, even when our words don't. My goodness, I'm a repeater. I'm going to do it again. Our tone tells the truth even when our words don't. Even when we're unaware of that truth ourselves. And it's our tone to which others respond. Oh, you know that, right? Just think of one conversation you've had recently where... The delivery system of the other person came through a harsh tone or a sarcastic tone or a negative tone or a mean tone. Think about that. Did you immediately shut off and stop listening? That would be me. I shut down. So some shut off, I shut down. I, all of a sudden, am like that commercial and the other person's going blah, 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 blah. I don't hear a word they're saying when it's in a tone that's harsh for me, particularly because that's a trigger. And we will talk about triggers in future episodes. But for today, let's keep our thoughts on that tone of that conversation. So keep one conversation in the forefront of your mind as we're processing this today to see if it rings true to you. We can't even say I love you in a way that provokes bitterness and then innocently argue we're being unfairly attacked when the person to whom we've said it quite rightly responds to our tone rather than our words. Don't be fooled by this kind of faux denial from others. What you think you hear in another person's tone is almost always present. Say that again just to kind of help it sink in. What you think think you hear in another person's tone is almost always present. So with the work that I do in with my clients, I am constantly trying to align them to trust their instincts, to trust their God-given instincts based on healthy principles and practices. So if someone accuses you of an attitude or feeling you don't think you have, unless they're particularly thick or have some hidden agenda, what they have to say likely represents something you need to hear. Okay, point two. I know this is deep stuff. You got your boots on again. We're often unaware of tensions and attitudes brewing underneath the surface. So many times in communication, you know, there's that iceberg effect. You can only hear or see what's on the top, but there's typically a lot underneath the surface. I call that undercurrents. So I can be in a conversation with someone and I sense through their tone, their delivery system, something else brewing under the surface maybe some bitterness some jealousy some insecurities and inferiority some anger and i have to be thinking in my head how i'm going to respond and not react lots more about that in overcoming hurtful words so please take advantage of all of that very helpful information in my newest book When others respond to us negatively or in ways other than what we want or expect, rather than criticizing or attacking them, we might pause to reflect on how our tone, and therefore our underlying feelings of the moment, may have caused the reaction we received. This is much easier said than done. None of this is easy. (laughs) None of this is easy. I am always going to ask you to come really high and, as I say, elevate the atmosphere of the room that you are in and elevate the atmosphere of the conversation that you're in. As a member of the Speak Healing Words community, we take a pledge to elevate the atmosphere. So oftentimes, if you sense or intuit that something is brewing beneath the surface through this person's tone... As we say, we want to welcome God immediately into that, that why, why is this person talking to me like this? Why is this person so angry? Why is this person so mean? What's going on here? And that takes a mature, some mature cognition, some mature thinking, but that's why we're here. We're here to come up higher. Third thought that uh, we are given in this great article, The Importance of Tone, because my ability to identify my underlying mood is less honed than I previously thought. I think many of us have difficulty observing our feelings when we're in the middle of feeling them. Oh, I know I can hear an amen. Especially if what we're feeling runs counter to what we want to be feeling or what we think we should be feeling. So we're trying to... Um, become whole. We're trying to respond in our relationships from a healthy space. So that is going to interpret or mean that we have to move from being reactionary people into being responsive people. So that's going to require us to take a step back uh, in that moment, in that sacred space between the stimulus and the response When someone says something and we don't quite know what that tone is or what they're trying to say through that tone, we have to take a step back and kind of go, hmm, what's going on here? So that we can respond and not react. So that we don't just fight fire with fire. We don't just add fuel to that fire, right? To that conversation that we can take a step back in wisdom and maturity and go, what's really going on here? And try to give a healthy response. Tone of voice. So John 5, our beautiful passage from episode 4, where we entered this passage in Lexio Divina fashion. We put ourselves in the middle of this story. I want to go to verse 4. Uh, six and I want us to look and think about Jesus's question in light of our word today, prosody or tone of voice because something I've recognized in the life and the work of this man called Jesus that I myself have chosen to model my life after to follow his teachings, to live that type of authentic faith, I noticed something about Jesus and his tone of voice that I want to emulate, that I want to model. I so want to be like him in these situations. So as we notice in verse six, when Jesus noticed him, the man, the paralyzed man lying there helpless, knowing he had been in that condition for 38 years, Jesus said to him, remember that question? He said, do you want to get well? Well, when I placed myself in the story, I heard that sentence with an authoritative tone, a beautiful, strong, authoritative tone filled with the power for that man to get well. I feel like when he spoke that question, do you want to get well? It was pointed. It was a directive. It was empowering. It was an empowering question. Did he know the answer? I think so. But what's important here is when Jesus spoke that question, that question was enveloped. It was covered. It was laden with. It was soaked in power. The words actually gave that man power to answer the question and to live into the question. So in other words, when Jesus looks at this man, and I guarantee you he was looking him in the eye, do you want to get well? At that moment, I think in that man laying by that pool, something was quickened. Something like the water in the pool stirred inside of this man. I think that... He leapt inside. I call it a quickening, uh, an empowering that suddenly, you know that feeling when someone has said something to you that's so powerful in a good way that you go, oh my goodness. Wow. Yes. And you feel strong and you feel like able and you feel different once they have said those words. They've done something inside of you that make you feel better. That's what that did in this man. So in verse seven, we see the invalid answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming to get into it myself, someone else steps down ahead of me. So what did you read when you placed yourself in this scripture? I saw an excuse. I saw I saw some blame. Yeah, I did. I saw this man's perception was I can't do this on my own. I can't get up, and when I do, everybody beats me to it. And maybe in some ways, poor pitiful me. I don't have anybody to help me. So, very often, we can do that. We can blame others. We can say, oh, my mother spoke to me in a harsh tone and my father was very harsh and awful and all my parents did was yell and scream and kick at walls and run around with baseball bats. And yes, that's harmful and hurtful. And I I would never want that for any of you. But at some point in our life, whether it's at age 15 or age 38 like this man, we have to accept that as our history of hurts. We have to go, okay, that was my history of hurts. That was my family of origin. That was what I was dealt. That's the cards I was dealt. That's the lot that I was placed in. But I don't have to stay there. I don't have to stay here paralyzed by a past of hurtful words or harmful behaviors or harsh tones. I can change. I can be well because Jesus has given me the power and given me the tools and the practices to rise up from this history of hurts and move into my new beautiful vision of victory. So after the man says this in verse eight, Jesus just says says this to him. And this is a directive, it is a command. It is filled with authoritative tone and clothed in grace and love. Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Now, Jesus didn't say, oh, you s- stupid man, do you wanna get well? I mean, you wanna lay here the rest of your life? I mean, come on. That's not the tone. That wasn't the delivery system for Jesus's words. And when he says these words in verse 8, that's not his delivery system either. He says, get up. That's a direct command. It's filled with power. He is filling that man with the potential and the capacity to actually do what Jesus is saying. This man couldn't do it on his own. He did try, but he couldn't do it on his own. Now with Jesus and the power of Jesus's directives, the empowerment of his words, this man is being made capable to get up and do it on his own. Do you see that? That is so powerful to me. We can't do it on our own and we can do it on our own. You know, I talk intentions all the time. So this beautiful passage shows us this tension He couldn't do it on his own until Jesus spoke words of life, words of power, words of healing, and then he was empowered and his capacity was enlarged and he was given the entire means to get up off that mat, roll it up and keep going. Jesus didn't scream at him. He didn't yell at him and he didn't tell him he was stupid. He just spoke truth and he spoke it in love and he spoke it all covered up in grace no shame, all grace. No shame, all grace. Okay, you've laid here for 38 years, but now's your day. Now is your day. He said, today's no ordinary day, man on the mat. It is time for you to rise up, roll it up. You've been here long enough, move forward. And I'm giving you everything you need to move forward. I have given you a new recovered sense of strength, it says, and I've given you new power. So the man picked up his mat and he walked immediately. Hear this in verse 10. Immediately, this man was buffeted. He he was challenged by the Jews. They accused him right away. We call that an accusatory spirit, accusatory spirit. You can't do that. You're not permitted to walk on the Sabbath. What are you doing? Get back on that mat. Immediately. They tried to put that man back in his paralysis, in his in the in invalid state. They tried to put him back into his unhealthy state. Oh, but listen, the man says, the man who healed me and gave me back my strength was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. Who is this man? who says, pick up your pallet and walk. Now I can hear an accusatory, harsh, shame-based tone of voice in those words. I'm not reading into this. I think it's really true. Pick up your pallet and walk. It's the Sabbath for God's sake. You can't do that. But in verse 13, the man who had been healed by Jesus, (laughs) he said, oh no mm I'm not going to turn back. You are not putting me back down in that state. mm I'm healthy now. Because God, through his son Jesus, had given this man a new story. Oh, gosh, I love this. And I know I'm going long today, but it's really worth it. So what I had noticed, uh, had never noticed until a few weeks ago when I was uh, going through this with one of my clients, like I said, in verse 14, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, oh, look at you. I'm so proud of you. You're well. And then he says, now stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Well, a lot of times, that statement is perceived as shameful or condemning, but it's not. I want you to hear that, and we're going to end with this very beautiful, grace filled statement. Really, Jesus is saying there, okay, now you know better. Now you know better. You've met me, we've talked, I've empowered you, I've given you every tool and practice to move forward, and you're in the temple, you're surrounded. By people like you now, who are thinking like you, who are not paralyzed by their past. They are moving into their vision of victory. And yes, I'm putting this into our heartlifting method words, but it is what Jesus is saying. So as you as you close out this time in John 5, maybe go back to episode four and listen again to Lexio Divina read the reading of John 5, 1 through 17. And now, read it, experience it considering prosody and tone of voice, and how powerful the delivery system of his words, of Jesus' words, were. He was authoritative, he was loving, and he was grace filled. He spoke a grace language, not a shame language. Oh my dear friends, my dear Speak Healing Words community members. Join me for more as we discuss this on the blog and in my newsletters and on Facebook and Instagram. Just consider, be aware, be aware of your tone. Hmm. And take movement forward. No matter what. Your history of hurts holds no matter how much yelling, screaming, anger, fury, dysfunction, unhealth was in your family of origins. Maybe it's even in your family right now. I'm a yeller. My mom was a yeller. I hear it all the time. But you don't have to be a yeller. You can just use your words Clothe them in authority, love, and grace, and bless every single person in your sphere of influence. You have a blessed day. I can't wait to be with you next week. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleRiordan.com.